Welcome to GovIT, a monthly podcast series from TD Synex Public Sector, where we discuss the next generation of public sector IT solutions with the technology innovators driving the change. I'm your host, Tom Temin. Each month, we explore a different technology, what it is, and how it can help public sector organizations achieve their modernization goals and accomplish their missions. In this episode, we're sitting down with IBM's Jeff Kroom, Chief Technology Officer of IBM Security for the Americas, and Presidio Federal's John Kim, Vice President of U.S. Solutions and Services. We're discussing their zero-trust approach for organizations. Agencies have been working on zero-trust in a lot of formats, in a lot of different ways for a couple of years now. This is not such a new concept. You have themes that you feel that agencies should use in their zero-trust approach what exactly are they? So if we're to highlight the top three, start with the easiest is verify everything and trust nothing. It means to assume that no user or device can be trusted and that all access to resources must be verified. And this can be done through multiple means. One is multi-factor authentication, network segmentation, micro-segmentation continuous monitoring and detection. The second one, these all tie in together, right? So the second one is identity and understanding the context of the users to make informed decisions on what they should access and why they're trying to access some of those resources. This type of information can be used to be more granular and making more precise decision whether to give them full access, limited access, and the level of access they should have. The last one, the third is is important in the sense that you have to segment and isolate these resources. So you have to base this in some assumption that an intrusion or a breach has occurred. So the purpose is to eliminate the exposure or the size of damage. And by doing that means dividing resource into smaller groups, isolating them from one another. And this helps to limit, again, limit the damage, limit the damage that can be done for the attacker when they gain access to that resource. Jeff, tell us more from the IBM perspective, how this works in in real life. Yeah, I I think ultimately zero trust is about the identification and elimination of implicit trust. There's a lot of things that we assume, and we assume something is secure. We assume this is a trusted zone. We assume the bad guys are out there and the good guys are in here. Zero trust basically blows away all those assumptions. And it says, I'm going to look with a hard eye at every single thing, and I'm going to try to validate every assumption that I've made and eliminate where I've implicitly trusted things and overlooked things. And I think the underlying principle, because I've heard a lot of people say sometimes that, you know, zero trust is really not new. It's just defense in depth, or it's just the principle of least privilege on steroids. And I'm like, yeah, so that that's true, but I'm gonna tell you something that I think is different, that is the game changer, that, that takes all of those together and makes them into something different. And that is the assumption of breach. The concept that you, assume the bad guy is already in your system. Don't assume the bad guys are out there and the good guys are in here. To give an example, if you were trying to guard your home, you might put locks on the doors, uh, you put security cameras around the outside, you put a fence around the yard, you put an angry dog inside the fence, 
all of those are perimeter-based controls that assume the bad guy is outside. But what if the bad guy's already inside? What if the bad guy's sitting on your sofa already? Well, then all of those perimeter controls didn't matter. And when I say that, I'm not being just alarmist. We have actual data from clients who have had data breaches. And for the last 10 years, on average, it takes about 200 days for people to recognize that they've been breached and another about 70 days to actually contain the breach. So we're talking, you know, on the order of 300 days, 270 days, that's the better part of a year that the bad guy is in your house, sitting on your sofa, eating your food from your fridge, and you didn't know about it. So the idea that I'm saying we should assume breach and then build our architectures and our controls as if the bad guy's already inside is not being alarmist. It's actually recognizing the reality of, of what's out there. So within these themes of identity and access and segmentation and the assumption of breach and so forth, what is a good way to take those ideas, those themes, and operationalize them? What should agencies be doing to get to that state of zero trust where you have the assumed breach and so on? John? Well, first and foremost, if you do anything, and especially if you're adopting something new, then you're not familiar with, you know, take the time to, you know, develop a plan, right? And that plan should outline your intent, why you're doing it beyond just saying it's mandated and we're ordered to do so. You should still put together a goal, some key objectives, as well as realistic timeline. Don't be, don't be over aggressive or too optimistic. Just put together a timeline uh, that you think you can do don't, because there's going to be some frustrations along the way. Because as you put together this timeline uh, plan, you're not going to really be able to identify everything along the way. And you're going to be discovering some new critical assets that you left out that you need to protect. And, and you're going to identify new type of threats that you didn't consider. Second, of any technology or new solutions that you adopt, you really need to get buy-in from everyone. It's not just the leadership having to push this down from top down. It really need to get commitment and buy-in from all levels of the organization. And yes, importantly, the leadership needs to be 100% vested into starting and adopting zero trust model. What also goes on the third, I would say, is don't forget to train your, your staff. Don't forget to train your employees within your organization. Don't leave them behind. This is not a solution that can be solved purely by technology and by implementing new security controls. You have to have the patience to educate your staff and your employees along the way. And that includes contractors as well. They're a critical component of a lot of the federal agencies, and they need to be included in understanding what new behavior needs to be taken to do zero trust properly. And I mentioned earlier on step one, when you put together the plan, you do need to identify your critical assets. You need to identify and measure and rank your risks and threats accordingly as you take this approach. You know, you can't say I'm going to do zero trust and I'm going to do zero trust across everything. It's, it's too monumentous, too much of a change. You need to focus on your critical assets first and the greatest threats 
before you take that. Number five, the way I look at it is um, phase approach. Don't try to tackle it all at once. Take small steps, sure. take small bites, consumable bite-sized pieces along the way. That way you can show success. Is it working? If it's working, continue on and replicate that effort. So take this in almost a cookie cutter approach and take that measurement. Don't try to scale all at once and you're going to see some problems with that. And, you know, so least amount of failure by doing that approach. And Jeff, it sounds like if you have that baseline that John just outlined, the five big steps, then the organization would have a greater degree of awareness such that if the black swan event occurred, you're way ahead of the game in being able to respond to something than you would be if you hadn't taken those steps. Yeah, no doubt about that. And in fact, I'll pick up on on John's fourth point, I think it was, uh, about risk analysis. Because at the end of the day, everything we do in security should be based on risk analysis and our understanding of risk and our tolerance for risk. And as John said, it's not uniform for everything. In fact, I would even suggest to you not everything deserves zero trust level of treatment. For instance, the lunchroom menu, we don't care, okay? The keys to the kingdom, yeah, we definitely care. And there's a lot of things in between. So think about this trust as a spectrum. We're on one extreme, we've got implicit trust, which is trust everything, verify nothing. And on the other extreme of that spectrum is zero trust, where we verify everything and trust nothing. And there's a counterintuitive aspect to this use of the term trust that we in cybersecurity understand, but the general population doesn't. For instance, if I tell you that I trust you, and then I look over your shoulder and watch every single thing that you do, you're gonna say, Jeff, why are you looking over my shoulder? You said you trusted me. And I'm gonna say, because of zero trust, I trust you only to the extent that I verified you. Because I trust you more, I verify you more. So that means I'm putting more controls in on the people that I trust most. And that's a counterintuitive definition based upon the way we use the term in the rest of our lives. But again, I'm going to say it all starts with risk analysis, understanding what is the value of the data we're trying to protect, how sensitive is it, and and how what is the what is the risk tolerance of our organization with regards to certain things. Not everyone has the same risk tolerance, even for the same set of circumstances. So I'll give you an example of this. I used to work with a guy who would not fly in airplanes. He took trains everywhere. He just didn't want to take the risk. That took a lot of fortitude. Exactly. Especially when the guy lives in Chicago and we have a conference in San Diego and he's on the train for four days to get there, four days for the conference and four days to get back. Okay, so that's his tolerance for risk. Me, so I've flown four million miles. I don't mind getting on a plane. What I mind is getting out of a plane before it's on the ground. Now, my neighbor across the street has jumped out of airplanes more than 100 times with parachutes. Because if you otherwise, you only do it once. And and in his case, he has a very different risk tolerance than I do, which is very different than the other guy. So we've got train, plane, and parachute. You have to decide which one of us is right. Well, obviously, I think I am. But both of them think they're right, too. What What is our tolerance for risk? Because not everyone will assess risk the very same way. And what level of zero trust treatment do we want to give something? It, it begins with knowing yourself and what some of that tolerance is. Then you develop a policy. Then you develop an architecture that supports that. And as I mentioned before, that assumption of breach should be the thing that's in the back of our heads all the time. Oh, yeah. What, what have we assumed here? What we should assume is not that this is a trusted network or that this is a trusted system, 
I should design this thing and then say, well, what if the bad guy's already in the network? What if the bad guy's already in my database? What if the bad guy already has a login into my application? Now secure it. The bad guy's already in. That's the way we design, I think, from a zero trust set of principles, kind of from the inside out. And, and then that way, everything flaw, flows from that naturally. And finally, no agency believes it can do this alone. It's a partnership between government and industry. And I think, John, you mentioned earlier, zero trust effort should extend to suppliers and contractors. What's the best way for agencies to use industry, to use consultancies and so forth, such that they can get to zero trust with the minimum fuss? Understanding the fundamental purpose of zero trust is to move from trust but verify to never trust and always verify on that journey. Yeah, you definitely need experienced partners. IBM and Presidio Federal has the expertise. We have the deep knowledge on zero trust and proven track record helping uh, agencies implement zero trust. We've developed a zero trust strategy. We have the right technology and tools. And most importantly, these type of tools and strategies that we put together helps to minimize the disruption to an agency's mission. We back that up with resources and capabilities to help our agencies scale. We have the technology working with IBM, Presidio Federal can offer a wide range of zero trust technologies and solutions for agencies. And lastly, support. We can provide resources for our customers once they implement a zero trust to help troubleshoot problems, as well as provide them updates to these solutions along the way. So it's not a one and done. It is a journey. It's not a destination. So we're here to help. Okay. And Jeff? Yeah. So I would say IBM has been doing security for a really long time. I've been doing it for a really long time. I've been with IBM for 41 years and IBM was doing security before I got started there. So uh, there's a, a level of experience and kind of institutional knowledge that you get from an organization that's been doing this this long. And some of the things we do, we've got a worldwide research organization that's doing original research into vulnerabilities and analysis. And we take that knowledge that we gain and put that into the tooling and give the capabilities to our clients so that they're able to benefit from all of that learning. And we basically do this across three primary areas in threat detection and response, in data security, and in identity and access management. So we work across all those things. You're gonna find a lot of people that are out there in this space and they do one or two things, but they don't have a, a more comprehensive end-to-end -end view. And we feel like that's a unique thing we bring. And then now infusing all of this, and this is the hot topic Number, top, hot topic number one, two, and three these days is artificial intelligence. How can I leverage AI, machine learning, and now the new generative AI capabilities into these areas so that we do a better job of cybersecurity because now we have a smarter system, a smarter set of tools, and AI becomes the force multiplier so that we're not losing this battle to the bad guys. Jeff Kroom is Distinguished Engineer and Master Inventor at IBM. Good having you with us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And John Kim is the Vice President of Solutions and Services at Presidio Federal. John, good having you with us. Thank you for your time. It was I uh, enjoyed this conversation.
For more information on Zero Trust, please visit PresidioFederal.com and search IBM. You've been listening to GovIT from TD Synex Public Sector. We'll be back soon with more public sector IT content. I'm Tom Temin.